0: The Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner.
1: Welcome into the Skinny Podcast. It's the weekly pre edition. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com, digital sports columnist and editor with Rick Broering. Each and every week, we talk about sports topics of local interest, a national topic or two on occasion. We've got a gambling segment. We've got, a, I think, a really good... Good gambling segment piece we're going to do, not just our picks, but something that we found uh, that I'll, I'm going to put on our website at local12.com uh, at some point, probably uh, as you're listening to this podcast, it'll probably already be up at that point. And then uh, a segment where you can ask me a question on anything, any topic, doesn't have to be sports. Just go to Twitter, hit up hashtag, the hashtag ask Skinny anything and we will answer your questions. Rick, how are we doing on this fine day as we approach the start of the college basketball season, which is kind of underway with some exhibition games?
0: Oh, yeah. It feels very real for me right now. I've been at multiple games this week. I went down to Lexington for an NKU exhibition. I was at Xavier on Wednesday night for an exhibition. So it all feels very real to me right now.
1: What did you think? Of you, you were, tra- they played, uh, NKU played Transylvania. And I told you we, we go down there for for high school basketball camp each year. I, I, I like that gym. What did you think of it?
0: Very cool gym. Yeah. Very nice gym. Yeah, it looks kind of like, I mean, it's a multi-use building, so it looks right, kind correct. of like you're rolling up on like a library or something. Yep, yep. It's got big glass windows and uh, I mean, it's a pretty campus. Transylvania is yeah, a nice spot. It's it's picturesque. And then when you get inside, it's, it's not a big place, but it's just it looks nice. And it's got yeah. glass uh, kind of walls that overlook the court as you're in the concourse area. It's yeah, for a small school, small program. It's very cool.
1: And probably is the probably about a mile from Rupp Arena, you can't have more contrasting gyms. That gym and Rupp about a
0: mile up the road. Very different. Explain this to me. They they now have branding everywhere that is a bat. It is a logo of a bat, but they are still the pioneers.
1: Yeah, I don't know if that was Halloween. Maybe that was Halloween related. No you know, Trans- Transylvania and Dracula, but is that their branding?
0: Is the bat? No, like their their logo at midcourt is the bat. It's every it's everywhere. Like that's a real that's really their logo now. They changed branding a couple of years back. I guess really, yeah. Huh. But it, but their name is still the Pioneer. So it's like we've got a right state situation here, like yeah, the Wolf do.
1: Raiders. Yes. yes. Now with
0: the Pioneer Bats. Pioneer Bats. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. All right. Well, anyway, no one cares. We've got a no. Exactly. Go. Sorry. Let's get into some bagels talk. Uh Skinny, I guess the question I have for you is, which is the real Bengals team at this point? We've seen them beat the Jets 27-12, the Dolphins 27-15, the Saints 30-26, and the Falcons 35-17. But we've also seen them lose 23-20 in overtime to a horrible Steelers team, 2017 to the Cowboys with Cooper Rush, 19-17 to the Ravens, and now 32-13, to the Browns. And I think when you look at all of those scores in the losing column, you'll notice a trend compared to all those scores in the games that they've won. Which team is the real Bengals team? Do we know can, which side are you starting to lean towards at this point?
1: Yeah. Right. So do you want my well thought out answer on this? Here it comes. I don't know. I don't think they know. And I think therein lies, maybe the problem. And I think some of it now is, I don't know because of, was this a, a one-off without Jamar chase that, that, you know, listen, they thought, we talked about this on the post game podcast where they thought they could plug and play and play the style that they normally play and now they can't. And obviously the gut punch of losing Wugier, and and after he went out, Rick, over the last two quarters and change, you know, that defense gives up 24 points. I don't think that's a coincidence. Now you do have a week to, 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 um, to change maybe some things, you know, to mask not having Chidobe Awuji. So, I I, I mean, I, I don't know. I wish I could give a well-thought-out answer on that. I, and, again, I go back to I'm not sure they know either, and I think therein lies the rub.
0: I think that's very accurate right now. And I think one of the things that has stood out to me this week as kind of decompressed from that Monday night football game and you start to assess where things are at is – we keep going back to Zach Taylor as a play caller, and rightfully so because of this offense and what we see from them from one week to another. It Just for two weeks in a row, looked like they had figured things out and were getting on track. And then all of a sudden, it's Jamar Chase goes down, which is a big loss, but you're completely stuck in the mud again. The offense has nowhere to go, and you can't seem to get anything right to get yourselves on track we talk about Lou and on the defensive side. And one thing that we note is the adjustments that are made from series to series and how good they are at at changing on the fly and guys being able to adapt to what he wants on the other side, skinny, to me, it seems like Zach Taylor gets very rigid within games. And on one hand, we've seen him be willing to change up what they're doing throughout the course of a season, and we've seen them already do that this year where they all of a sudden started going completely committed to shotgun only and running lots of run pass option stuff against the zone defenses to beat some cover too. But once and, to get he, the, and to get the running game going. Right. But once he gets inside of a game and that's not part of the game plan, it doesn't seem like he's willing to adjust it and go and go back to something that may have worked in the past or, or something that might work now because what the game plan was, the script was, isn't effective. Do you, uh, do you see that? Does that make any sense?
1: Yeah, to, yeah, yeah. To some degree, it does. I, 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 I'm just, I'm a keep it simple guy, right? And, and so, listen, do RPOs work against everybody? Probably not. But for right now, for what you're doing, they were working brilliantly and beautifully. They were marrying up the run game and the pass game. You're not getting anything standard running game wise right now, and and we can talk about this in a second because it's certainly a uh, uh, an elephant in the room of you know, should Joe Mixon have a lessened workload and give some others some touches, and, and we'll get to that in a second. But that that kind of got the run game jump started a little bit. You know, they started doing that in the Baltimore game, and when they did, Joe actually averaged almost six yards a pop over the last two and a half quarters. It worked the next week. They didn't run it quite as much because on the run pass options, Joe pulled it a bunch of times and hit easy pass plays. And so it, it's working. And then you go away from it, and I and I don't I don't understand that. Just I. I I guess I I employ the John Wooden philosophy. You know what? I'm worried more about what my team does than what the other team tries to do to me. Um, I've always used that philosophy as a coach myself of, yeah, you have to do some things if you're scouting a team and scouting opponents and maybe throw a wrinkle here. But I'm going to do what what I do and my team does best. And John, listen, John Wooden could do that because he had great players. But that was his whole thing. I mean, he wasn't a big scouting guy. He was a big we're gonna do what we do best, and they're gonna to have to try something to, to to beat us. And it doesn't feel feel like the Bengals' offense is always adjusting to a defense, rather than the other defense adjusting to the Bengals' offense. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah, punch versus counterpunch. Right, I think is what we're talking about here. And I I had something kind of interesting happen to me yesterday, just listening to the radio, as uh, because I went in to do Mo Eggers' show at, at Moreline Lagerhouse before the Xavier exhibition.
1: I listened. So I, during- was, I was on right before you.
0: During Mo's show, I hear Kyle Caskey, former Bengals yes. running back coach. Yes. He's now doing like a YouTube channel where he's breaking down videos, yes. some really in the weeds stuff, but good stuff if you're yes. into that. Agreed. He talked about the Bengals offense and what's gone wrong with it and, and what he would do and all this stuff. It, really good, honest answers, but actually having an opinion, not just being like, well, I trust the coaches. The coaches know best, all that type of stuff, like a lot of former coaches would be. Then later on, As I'm driving, I I leave most show and I go to Xavier and I'm listening in the car again. And it's the whatever Bengals roundtable show or one of the 750 Bengals shows that they have that are sponsored. (laughs) And Bruce Kazursky is on with Dave Lapham and Dan Horde. Now, if you're I was coached by Bruce Kazursky and taught by him at Holy Cross High School. And if you're looking for two guys that are from different schools of thought and different eras of football, Coach Kaz and Kyle Kasky are it. (laughs) That's <laughs> like, probably true. Coach Kaz yes. is the old school. Kyle Kasky is the new school. I think if you asked them, for the most part, they would see the world differently, not just in football with the way a lot of things work, but yet when they were talking about the Bengals' offense and what they would do and what is going wrong and what they would change, both of them said very, very similar things. One of them being that I don't understand why they went away from the run-pass option in this game I don't to beat z- zone looks and cover two. And once they, they weren't doing it and what they were trying to do wasn't working, why didn't they try to go back to it?
1: I, I, that's, that's the part I'm, I'm flummoxed by. I don't understand that either. Stop out thinking yourself. That was working. That, that was working beautifully. It was really, again, right now, a big thing is they can't run the football in traditional manners, right? We see that before our very eyes. When they try to line up and just run wide zone or, or anything in the run game, toss sweep, they can't do it. It was working well with run within the, in the RPO section. Why not stick with that? Why outthink Bru- yourself?
0: Bruce Kozurski and Kyle Kasky both mentioned vary your looks, change things up, make it look different from time to time, move the pocket more. Inst- instead of letting pass rushers continue to rush the same spots, know exactly where they're coming after, how they have to beat you, where Joe is going to be. Move them around a little bit more, change their their perspective, change where they have to rush you, change who's coming to help and chip them and, and make it look different. But uh, according to both of these guys who know a whole lot more about football than I do, everything right now apparently looks the same to them, and they feel like it's making it very easy on opposing pass rushes and defenses. And I, I just I thought. It kind of pointed to a lack of creativity from Zach Taylor, which we've talked about in the past. I think it's come up enough. We're not breaking ground here, but I do find it fascinating when two guys who both know a lot about football and and played the game, coached the game, both from two very different schools of thought on, on what works and how you should do it. Both have basically the same exact answers for what is going wrong with the Bengals and what they're not doing.
1: Yeah, and I want to correct you on one thing, and I, I fall blame to it as well, and I think fans do. We, we, we lump this into play calling. I, I'd almost lump it into schematics as much as play calling, right? Uh, it, it, you know, play calling is kind of the loose term of calling the sheet, but if the plays you're calling off the sheet aren't schematically good, then they're not going to work. So I think it's a matter of schematics as much as anything else.
0: Yeah, that's fine. I, I guess uh, when we use play calling in this manner, I, we're talking about being the offensive coordinator. Was right. no, right. what right. you normally say, but in the Bengals' case, that's not how it works. The head yeah, coach no, right. is the play right. caller, for right. lack of better. Right. So, but no, yeah, I'm, I'm,
1: I, I completely agree, and that's where back to your original question. Um, I don't know what this team is. I don't.
0: Yeah, and no, I think, I, I, like I heard Mo mentioned something about this yesterday, where the Bengals don't deserve this group. This team doesn't deserve the benefit of the doubt because of what they did last year at this point, because they haven't lived up to that this season and they're not the same team. And every season is different. I get his point. I think every season is different, but I also think in the NFL and in professional sports in general, star players are what give you the chance to make those types of runs and have a special season. And the Bengals still have that type of star player, not just one. They have a couple of them, but at quarterback at the most important position, they still have that type of player. So for me it's not as much about giving this team uh, of the benefit of the doubt or a pass for what's gone on it's just knowing that the potential is still there because you have a guy like joe burrow and then of course when jamar chase gets back that'll help as well
1: yeah no right and and that that, that was the point listen it, it sucks not having jamar chase I, you know i documented it pretty well that what he what he's done in the 17 games that the bengals have won in his time here in cincinnati the 13 wins last year, including three playoff games and the four wins this year, his numbers are eye-popping. And when his numbers aren't eye-popping, they've kind of lost. In, in, in the 10 losses, you look at the numbers. So he is a difference maker. That said, you have a difference maker at quarterback too, you know, and you've got what a lot of teams would love to have in a number two and a number three receiver in Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins. You'd love those, those guys. And, yes, it changes some things, but it shouldn't change it all that dramatically. The problem is, though, when you're down Jamar Chase, you would hope to lean on the run game a little bit more, and voila, what can't you do, Rick? Run the football. Can't run the ball at all.
0: Skinny, we mentioned when we did our Bengals recap podcast after the Monday night game that with Chadobia Awuzie going down, they might need to look at trying to add a cornerback through the trade route right there before the trade deadline just to get another body in the room, if nothing else. They weren't able to do that. They didn't make any type of deal at the deadline. How much are the Bengals going to regret that decision not to make a trade for a cornerback?
1: It's certainly going to put them in the crosshairs from a fan's perspective, and I understand that, but I will say this. There was only one cornerback that was traded um, at the deadline, and that was William Jackson III
0: from Washington,
1: <laughs> Pittsburgh. and they did not want William Jackson the Third back here. So keep in mind, it wasn't like it was some hot cornerback market out there. You know, if teams have any type of hope of playoffs, and and even if it's a third or fourth or even fifth corner that they believe in, chances are pretty good they're not going to deal that guy. And the teams that may be willing to deal that guy are going to ask for probably a pretty nice return from draft capital. And so, again, I'm not going to absolve them of this, but I do want to go through this logically for fans. I understand it. Um, You know, in the next couple of years, there's big paydays coming for a handful of guys, which means there's going to be a high portion of the salary cap tied up in a handful of players. And so then what are you going to need to fill out the rest of your roster? You're going to need draft picks and draft capital. And so I think it was going to have to be a perfect marriage of not giving up a high, high pick to land somebody you felt was going to be an upgrade. And it, I'm going to guess there was nobody along those lines. And so at that point, you simply say, we're going to have to stand pat and swallow hard. Now, if it comes back to bite you in the ass, you got to live with it because you chose to stand pat. But again, logically, I, I fully understand it. Plus, Rick, only, they only got $2.4 million in salary cap space left this year. And and you got to kind of hang on to that a little bit, A, to move it forward into next year and or, you still got another eight games of potential injuries that you got to fill out your roster with. You may need to use that just to fill your roster. You know, there were a couple of teams last year towards the end of the year. They couldn't even fill out a 53-man roster because they didn't have enough
0: dudes. It feels like, at least to me, it all comes down to injuries at this point in terms of how much they'll regret this. Because I think experience in the system is probably preferred over a newcomer with yeah. marginally better talent Right. With for Luana Rumo. but lack of nfl level talents could be a problem at some point if there's another injury
1: no quite i mean right now you're going to try it out this week cam taylor Britt at one corner he's still so unproven as, as we talked to lou yesterday and he said listen technically you know what the guys had he's had a preseason game is what he's played i mean that, and he's right i mean that's that's basically what he's played in snaps is is one preseason game so the kid is still wet behind the ears and all those things your other corner is probably going to be Eli Apple if he's healthy, and fans hate that anyway. But if it's not Eli Apple, then it's Trey Flowers if he's healthy. Then we're down to um, probably Alan George coming up for the practice squad or moving Dax Hill to the outside corner. Then you're going to start two rookie outside corners, one who's really a safety and, and the other one who's got a game under his belt. That, that's a big ask, man.
0: Yeah, it's not great. But, I mean, at least those guys look like they have the potential to be NFL starters at some point, or at least rotation guys, uh, you get much farther than this. I, I don't think you're going to be playing with guys that look like they belong anymore. No, it,
1: it'll be like that Pittsburgh game from a couple of years ago where you had LaShawn Sims and a couple of guys who are not around any longer trying to play corner and Ben Roethlisberger throwing for about six zillion yards.
0: Yeah, that gets ugly really quick. That's the problem.
1: Yeah, no, it really does. I mean, it's ugly right now. You took a Pro Bowl caliber, shut down corner off the field. You were hoping you could continue to kind of get your rookie's feet a little bit more wet or a little bit more under him. Keep giving him some snaps, keep giving him some snaps, you know, keep giving him some experience and then finally say, okay, enough is enough. We've seen, we've seen that you can play at this high level. You're better than Eli Apple. Eli, you become the fourth corner. Well now hell you're hoping to got Eli apples on the field on Sunday.
0: Yeah. <laughs> That's a great point. You mentioned Joe Mixon Wanted to bring up that topic again. Look, I mean, we talked about it after the game Monday night. He's not the same guy at this point. And I, I heard, you know, again, Kyle Kasky was kind of talking about he think he coached Joe and he thinks he could absolutely still be the same guy if they find different ways to get him involved and maybe are a little more creative and give him more opportunities. At this point, I'm going to need to see it from Joe because it's not just the inability to get off for big runs. It's he refuses the pass block at all. He now can't catch easy passes thrown to him at times. Like it really looks like the space jam situation where the Monstars have just zapped him up all of his ability.
1: Yeah. I, and, and so yesterday, and I've got to, I want to try to find the exact quote here. I've got it in here somewhere. Um, I, I point blank, asked Zach Taylor. I said, can you, um, I got it right here. Will, will you, uh, how do you evaluate Joe Mixon in all three phases? And I said, in, in as a rusher, as a pass receiver, and as, as a, as in pass protection, his answer was the following. I, I said, and would you consider spreading the snaps around a little bit more? Right. And he said, we do. Samaji has got, I think 17 catches and Mixon has got over 30, which I don't, that really wasn't the answer to my question. He said, he's been really productive in the past, even when we're not giving him a lot of carries, that's an extension of the run game. Burrow does a great job spinning the ball out to Joe quickly so he can get downhill. And he does a really good job punishing people on contact and getting us what we need to stay efficient on normal downs. And so been really pleased with that part of things. So then I followed up and I said, well, how's he been in pass protection? He says, well, I think in pass pro, these backs got to do a good job on the linebackers as they blitz inside there. There's always things they can improve on. I think those guys really pay attention to the details and do everything we ask them to do. Those two answers answers tell me, buddy, I get what you're asking me, but I ain't answering it, which means
0: they don't believe in him. Well, the the only correct answer right there, at least to the the latter question about pass blocking, was he sucks. I mean, he sucks. right.
1: Right. I mean, I, I can see that with my own eyes, but I thought I needed to get the guy on the record to give me some kind of answer. So
0: well, it tells you just, all you need to know. It, like the fact that he's lying covering up like that tells you all you need to know. Well, he's not it's, lying.
1: He's just not answering it.
0: R- that's what I'm saying. He, I mean, he's totally avoiding the topic, which tells you he's covering for the guy. And as
1: Kelsey, as Kelsey Conway from the Enquirer pointed out to me afterwards, she goes, you know what he never answered in your question? You asked about all three phases. He never answered how he's doing running the ball. I'm
0: uh, like, well, point. that's obvious. Yeah,
1: that's a good point. So then later on, I got to find this one too. Ben Baby asked him, how, how do you get Chris Evans more snaps? And he said, or so what will it take for Chris Evans to get more snaps? And he says, we get him involved. He returns kickoffs and we have packages for him. He had two snaps on Monday. Come on, dude. And I think the, the short answer—it was a really short answer. And so we were commiserating after the press conference. He said, "Yeah, that was basically him, he, him telling me I think Chris Evans sucks." Sorry. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, is Chris Evans just a bad guy? Is he a jerk no, off of practice every day?
1: No. Not to my knowledge. I, I mean, that's the him, only been fun. thing
0: at this point that you could tell me that makes sense. Well, that, why I, they seem to dislike him so much?
1: Yeah, I, I said this on on Sunday in, in our in our podcast. I think it's part of it. I mean, really, honestly, the only route I've seen the kid run is a go route. I mean, maybe he's just honestly a terrible route runner. I, and that's probably not fair because that, that's pinning it all on him. But there's obviously something he's not doing that the coaches don't trust. But skinny, he,
0: I'll be, be damn. nice to get,
1: it'd be nice to get an
0: answer to it. Like, even if there's only a couple routes he can run, I'll be damned if they didn't find a way in the, the every time they've gotten the, the ball to make a big play out of it. Correct. You go back to preseason and I don't know how many different routes he ran in there, but each time he touched it, it was like, oh. Chris Evans flashed again. Yes, Chris Evans flashed again. And then in this this season, they haven't given him many opportunities. They finally are forced to put him out there because of Jamar Chase being out with the injury. And out of the two plays that he's on the field for, one of them is a 26 yard catch in which he made a great adjustment on the ball like a receiver great. to make. I great. mean, I, I do not understand any type of explanation that would make sense for why he is not gotten on the field more other than that. He's just a jerk off of the hate him.
1: Yeah, I don't think that's the case, though. I don't. It's a very so, strange situation. So, and, and so the elephant in the room is that you can't just keep running Joe Mixon out there as a three down back.
0: You would you think. I, I, it doesn't seem like they have any plans to change that.
1: Well, then you're going to keep spinning your wheels in the run game, it looks like.
0: Uh, I and, think and when he's we on might the field, better so into the,
1: And when he's on the field expected to pick up blitzing linebackers, he's not going to do it.
0: That's become obvious as well. I
1: mean, truth be told, probably your best all-around back, sadly, Samaje
0: Perine, and he's just pedestrian as a runner. He's been that way this year. He's been the most effective running back in all three phases. I would say.
1: Yeah. That, that's why I asked the question the way I asked it. I was hoping to get. I mean, you know, I, I don't expect. Listen, asking these questions, you know, fans want you to be all hardo and stuff. I, I'm not. A, I'm not. I'm not expecting um, an honest, fully honest response. But I, I don't think it's beyond a coach to simply say, "Listen." We do expect more out of Joe. We need more out of Joe, and and we're going to have to try to find ways to get more out of Joe, as opposed to the gobbledygook answer I got.
0: Yeah, that's my point. Like, it, if if they're doing that, it's to the point where it's it's bad. It's real bad. It's real I bad. Mean, they don't right? they don't have any faith in him at all. If not, they're saying no, like that's that. right.
1: That's exactly right. And They're trying to make sure his fragile psyche doesn't get hurt.
0: Yeah, they're just completely covering for him. That's that's not good. That's not a good no. sign. No. What else came out of? Covering the Bengals this week, press conferences and the like leading up to this game against Carolina on Sunday.
1: Yeah, a lot of the talk on the on the cornerback front and, and you know, what can you do to mask it? I, I thought Lou was pretty interesting when he talked about he's hoping not to have to change much schematically because of this. But he said, I'm not going to be stubborn if, you know, stuff isn't working with, you know, with the corners on the field that we have. We'll probably have to change some things. So I think they're going to hope this week a to get Eli back Um and B, you're not playing exactly a firepower offense in in Carolina either. They they have DJ Moore, and and that's about it. Deontay Foreman had a nice game, and PJ Walker obviously had the, one of the greatest throws in NFL history. But he's not a great quarterback by any stretch. So you are facing an offense that can kind of maybe allow you to 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 to, to play your style, play your system, still um, do all the things you do from a versatility standpoint. You're going to get DJ Reader back after the bye. That that will probably help some too. Um, But if it shows this week that, oh my gosh, Carolina, that offense just put up 31 points or something along those lines, and this defense gets run all over because of the the cornerback situation, then yes, schematically you are going to have to do some different things. You're probably going to have to go play some Tampa 2 and and things like that, as opposed to the versatility, versatile stuff that that Luana Rumo likes. So I think you're going to see plug and play this week and hope, but um, we'll, we'll see what comes out of it after the buy if, if things don't go well this week.
0: Well, and you might have to change up the way you're approaching things offensively, too, if you're Zach Taylor. W- when you know your defense is at this much of a disadvantage, might have to turn up the the urgency, I guess, for lack of a better term yeah. on the offensive side. Yeah.
1: I, I, again, the one thing you, you, you can do this, You, you beat, if you beat Carolina, you are exactly where you were a year ago. It's certainly not the same. You do... Expect Jamar Chase back not too long after the bye week. At least that's the hope, because it's why they didn't put him on IR. Although I saw him on crutches in the locker room yesterday, and it he didn't look great. I'll tell you that much. But I guess I shouldn't expect him to. Uh, but still, um, you know, you can get him back for the last six games possibly. You get DJ Reader back, and, and at that point, now you 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 are down. Hopefully, just a guy and Shadobia Woozie. and it's a big down. But it's you know in the NFL if you're still playing with all 22 projected starters from the start of the season at week nine or 10, you are damn lucky, man. And not many get to do it. If any, get to do it for goodness sake. So um, this is a big week in a lot of regards to, to, to see again, can you survive the Ouzier thing? Can you kind of limp to the bye at five and four, as I mentioned, you can take a little solace in the fact that uh, you do have tiebreaker wins over the jets and dolphins. If it comes to that, and it may come to that, that may be big down the road for the playoffs, but you're still five and four. You're still very much in the hunt. Take a deep breath for a week. Heal some guys up and then and then look forward to what, what comes after the bye.
0: One other thing that's kind of annoying me right now with this Jamar Chase situation, he's incredible. And it is a big loss to have him go down with an injury. But this Bengals offense without him, it isn't, the Patriots with Tom no. Brady at the end of his career. No, it's not the Packers right now with Aaron Rodgers. That's, like
1: that's the point. It most of
0: these that decimated. Most of these quarterbacks would be thrilled yes. to have the Bengals offense even without Jamar Chase. So uh, y- yes, they're they're at a disadvantage not having Jamar Chase. That sucks. You're losing a, a game changer, but. That, that just means you, don't, you no longer have an embarrassment of riches on the offensive side. Right. You still have more than enough talent to produce points and yes. win games in the NFL if Joe Burrow is your quarterback. Yes, absolutely. There's no question. All right, let's switch gears to college football. Big week in college football. The first college football playoff rankings of the 2022 season were released on Tuesday night. Tennessee, number one. Ohio State, number two. Georgia, number three. And Clemson number four, your, your four teams in the top four right now. But of course, y- you look at the rankings in general, and things are going to change pretty quickly here because uh, some of these teams have to lose because they're going to be playing each other. You go yeah, beyond on the a, top four. I got a theory on this, but go ahead. Yeah, you go be on the top four. It's Michigan at five, Alabama at six, TCU at seven, Oregon at eight, and then USC and LSU round out the top ten. Skinny, where do you have the biggest gripe here?
1: Uh, with Tennessee being number one. I mean, look, Georgia hasn't given you a ton of style points, but they're still very, very good. They're still undefeated. Um, you know, they, they, they should clearly be number one, in my opinion. The well, the, I, I
0: mean, the Tennessee win over Alabama is more impressive than anything Georgia's done, right?
1: Okay, but, but again, I'm a big until – the, until the king gets knocked off the mountain, the king stays on top. That's my opinion, and 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 they've again their style points haven't been as stylistic, but but go crunch their numbers. They're still pretty damn good. They're still pretty damn potent. So here's my theory on this. I think you're. I think this sets itself up for where where it stands right now, for TCU to probably have no shot, even if it goes undefeated, because here's how this has a chance to play out. This week, Tennessee plays Georgia. Right? Let's see Georgia. Say Georgia wins a close game, which I think they do. Doesn't really ding Tennessee a ton, so the next rankings that come out will probably feature either Ohio State or Georgia at number one. Probably Ohio State or Georgia at number two. Clemson, if it if it wins this week, and that's a big if, if it wins this week, they move up to number three, and then honestly, probably Tennessee sits at four. Michigan still five. Bama still six. So here's the scenario that plays out down the road, right? This is why I think Tennessee was made number one. The possibility to get three SEC teams in the in, in the in the playoff, I really believe that and and so so that makes down the road the ohio state michigan winner in right assuming they both are undefeated which we i think we can safely assume they probably will be um then down the road georgia ends up in the sec title game losing to bama tennessee's only loss throughout the rest is to georgia i can see the scenario where it's the big 10 winner between michigan and ohio state Clemson's going to probably get dinged with a loss. I I think they might lose this weekend, as a matter of fact. And you have a shot now to get three SEC teams in the playoff. I think that's why Tennessee was number one. Because if Tennessee was three, Rick, and, and they lose to Georgia, out they go.
0: Then they're out. Right. I could see that. I don't have much of a problem with Tennessee being one, to be quite honest. Let me ask you this. Is there any chance we could, like, let's say Tennessee beats Georgia. And then beats Alabama in the championship. Right. Is there any chance we could be set up? And maybe l- let's go Michigan beats Ohio State in the final Big Ten regular season game. Is there any chance we could be looking at something like Tennessee Clemson okay. in, a, in a year where, let, let's face it, this isn't Clemson the from a f- few years back where we thought they were the blue blood. That was uh, up there with Alabama and and Georgia and the like, Michigan and TCU. I think. I mean, TCU- could you have like almost all new blood?
1: You could. I just don't think TCU is going to even. I think even a one loss SEC team or the Ohio State Michigan loser still is going to be ahead of TCU. And TCU, by the way, still has some tough road games to go. I I honestly don't feel like I don't think they're going to finish undefeated. To be
0: quite, I, I don't think they will either. Yeah, I mean, to me, it really kind of stops at six in terms of the teams that I think are real contenders and actually in the conversation for best in the country. So you're talking Tennessee, Ohio State, Georgia, Clemson, Michigan, and Alabama. I don't really believe TCU, Oregon, USC, or LSU are in that same conversation. Agreed. But, I, I mean, you, you can find some scenarios, I think, where this could get wonky. We could end up with a, a really unique looking college football playoff for the first time in a while. Chances are that's not going to happen.
1: Chances are it's not going. I honestly, I, I I like you thinking that because I, I I wouldn't mind seeing new blood either. But I think it's a it's a greater likelihood of three SEC teams to be quite <laughs> frank.
0: You're probably right. And if we're being honest, I don't think that's wrong. If you're trying to get don't the either. best teams in the playoff this year, I don't either. I, I I really want to see Tennessee in the playoff. They need to win. Well, they 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 probably got to win the Georgia game to ensure that they're going to be in.
1: Yes, I think that's probably correct. I still think with a loss, because again, you go back to the scenario, if they finish the regular season with that one loss, Georgia goes undefeated, goes to the, to the to the SEC title game, then loses to one loss Alabama. They all would have a one loss to each other. So how do you separate them? You don't. Um, you throw them um, all in and say, you three and the Big Ten winner. Have a good time, everybody.
0: Yeah. I just, you know, it's Alabama's good. Bryce Young is really good. Georgia is good, but they were better last year. To me, Tennessee is the most fun story of the college football season right now. I want to see them in. I want to see that style of offense in. I'd want something different. Could could you imagine a Tennessee-Ohio State game? Oh, my God. I mean, it'd be just nothing but them trading haymakers from 65 yards or farther out. Yep. We'll we'll talk a little bit about Ohio State's offense here because on a day when Bryce Young wasn't playing last Saturday, And you had C.J. Stroud and Will Levis in completely different time slots with a gap in between so scouts could fully focus on both of those guys. I thought both of them really kind of missed out on an opportunity to separate themselves for the draft in terms of being prospects.
1: Yeah, I still see Will Levis highly up there by a lot of people.
0: Yeah, he is. And I mean, I think had he really showed out in that game against Tennessee, there's no telling what. The, the buzz would be about him. I think right. he, there's a very good chance people would be him QB1 right now. Uh, but neither one of those guys were really impressive. CJ Stroud's numbers looked great because by the end of the game, Ohio State piled up a bunch of stats. But that was mostly in the fourth quarter. And for the first two and a half, three quarters, he looked pretty pedestrian and quite honestly confused by the Penn State defense.
1: Yeah, the the the, the one kid too, I was the one that was the guy that stood out on the field that day, the defensive
0: lineman. Unbelievable. Oh, one back. of the best individual defensive performances we've ever seen.
1: No question. I I, I just kept sitting there going, huh, he can't do this again. Can't sure enough, get you another one. I, it was, it was, I'm with you. I mean, you, you can clearly make him defensive player of the week. I might make him defensive player of the year just for that one week.
0: He's an edge rusher. He had two sacks, two interceptions, a forced fumble, a fumble recovery. Yeah. The fumble that he forced, he recovered, which is crazy. And, and a touchdown and a touchdown. I just uh, create, and the TD, b- b- by the way, that was maybe one of the worst betting beats of all oh, time. Well, the, now, now it was I, almost I, a betting I, win I, that we didn't deserve.
1: I had two of them on that day, about 15 minutes. It felt like a part Ohio state. And I texted my friend and I said, can Ohio state come back and cover this? And as soon as they did, I'm like, by gosh, they can. And then I'm watching West Virginia where I've got plus seven and a half there. And I'm like, Oh, okay, just run out the clock, TCU. Nah, they chuck one to the end zone, hoping for either a pass interference. Or, I mean, again, they weren't trying to run up the score. It was a fourth down play. They were just trying to get the first down the way they thought. And they figured it gets picked off at the goal line. They start at the one. If not, maybe my guy can make a play. By God, guy. guy makes a play. Touchdown, TCU.
0: If you're not aware of what we're talking about at the end of that Ohio state game with, I mean, it was maybe a minute and a half or two minutes left, something like that. I mean, time was running down and if Ohio state had gotten the ball back, they're just going to run the clock out. So they're not looking to score anymore at this point. And they're only up by 14 spread was 16 and a half. I had them up to 19 in an alternate line as well in a parlay. Well, they got up to 19 at one point with the lead. Right. So what happened there was with Penn state being kind of backed up in their own area, they turn, try to make a quick throw out to the side, and this defensive end that we're talking about, JT Tui gets jumps up and makes one of the most athletic plays you'll see a defensive lineman ever make. Picks off the pass, pick six. Ohio State goes up by 20, 44-24, just over two minutes to play. 2.42 to play, 2.42 Look, left. Looked like an actual, actual miracle for Ohio State Everybody. bettors, and then the defense just absolutely blew it.
1: Eight plays, seventy-five yards down the field they go in in a little over a minute to blow the cover.
0: Yeah, uh, throughout that game though, Ohio State it was a very strange approach by them because a lot of times if they'll just bomb away on you, and if it's working, they'll just keep doing it, and you're not going to stop them.
1: That is a good secondary though for
0: a lot of the game. Well, but Ryan Day was just trying to pound them nonstop on the ground, and it was like. One of two things are happening. Either he's having a manhood measuring contest with Jim Harbaugh because Michigan ran it all over Penn State and he wanted to prove Ohio State could do the same thing. Or he was shaving points because every time he threw over the middle to Marvin Harrison, it was an automatic huge gain.
1: Yeah. And they ran a bunch of screens in that game too, a bunch of wide receiver screens. that didn't go anywhere either.
0: And that's how I mean, ultimately, that's how they won the game late in the fourth quarter was they just threw it downfield over the middle to Marvin Harrison whenever they wanted. And it, you know, they had some great defensive plays that we talked about, but I I don't, I don't understand what Ryan day was doing there. That was a very strange game plan for two and a half, three quarters. And they still hang 44. And they still end up with 44 Uh, each week that goes by though. I, I think Michigan is more and more of a real contender. I do too. And that that rivalry matchup at the end of the season is going to be an interesting game.
1: It's going to be so good.
0: Yeah. All right, well, let's talk about another bad beat here with Cincinnati, Skinny. They lose 25-21 at the bounce house to Central Florida. We've complained about the offense a lot with UC this year, but to me, this was on the defense. The defense did not step up in the most important moment of the season so far. I mean, again, the offense had plenty of issues throughout this one, but in the end, you've got an opportunity with the game on the line to win it. If you can get a stop. And I mean, not just once, but multiple times their defense just couldn't find a way to get off the field.
1: Yeah. I mean, it it looked like they had, they had salvaged the victory on the, on the touchdown drive with Ryan Montgomery going in and they get the two point conversion and the defense, Two sixteen is all it took Central Florida to go seven plays, seventy five yards to, to win it. I, I'm kind of with you, but at the same time, uh, the, the, something just isn't right about this team. I don't know what it is.
0: They are not clicking on offense. No, uh, uh, that's clear. I mean 20, 21 points isn't good enough. But, but again,
1: problem, I, part of the problem feels like is, is if they don't get big plays, they don't do anything.
0: That's right. They they just they just stall out immediately when they can't hit the big splash plays and. Uh, they're not getting those frequently enough recently.
1: And how about the Corey Kiner situation? That's weird. Doesn't elaborate play. that he didn't play, and there wasn't really a great explanation for it.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I have. I mean, it's, so there's no other information out there other than just he he didn't I, play.
1: Yeah, I mean it, it. It it feels like that they just simply forgot him.
0: I kind of did too, to be quite honest.
1: Well, I, th- I think he's a big part of the Charles running back.
0: Charles McClelland has been good. I I, been good, I get but that, wasn't... but it seems like there's room for Corey Kiner, who no was question. also pretty good to start the season.
1: No question. I I know they I know they don't don't like him in pass protection, and they've obviously had protection issues. And Ben Bryant got sacked for 41 yards and losses in this game, but it, it just it just felt weird. Uh, there's it, probably a
0: reason he left LSU too. I wonder if maybe uh, they're they're having some buy in issues with getting him to do what they want.
1: I don't. Th- Everything I've heard about Corey Kiner is that he's a solid kid. So I don't, I don't know if I buy that. I,
0: I, don't, I don't mean he's a bad guy. I didn't say he was robbing people or shooting no, people. I just I said you know he might not be picking up blitzes the way they want.
1: Well, that's yeah, that's possible. But I know we can run it. I mean, you're allowed to let him run it too. Yeah,
0: that's that's true. Uh, but no, you're right. It doesn't. Things don't feel right with this UC team, and and we'll talk more about their matchup coming up this weekend here in the in the and betting they still, segment. But
1: they they've still got two tough games left.
0: Yeah. And I I, and I think if you're a UC fan or a UC better, your your confidence in them is is wavering at this point. You're you're wondering how they're gonna fare in those games. So, and then finally we have the uh, blowout that was in the Tennessee Kentucky game, forty four to six, the final there. Cats were outscored twenty to nothing in the second quarter. They trailed twenty seven to six at halftime. Uh, not much to say other than this Tennessee team is the real deal, skinny.
1: Yeah, I mean, Kentucky also was garbage. I mean, I, I, they were just garbage on offense. And, and you know, some of it was, I mean, who knows what this game turns out. 20-6, to 6, they're driving. Looked like they were going to punch it in to make it 20-13. to 13. They could probably still play the game they wanted to play at that point. Levis throws a pass that goes ricocheting off a of receiver's hands. Tennessee intercepts it. They go down and, and, and score. And, you know, at that point, it felt like all was lost, and it really was um, – you know, it. This has been a letdown season, to be quite frank. I'm, I'm, I'm extraordinarily disappointed in what what's gone on in in Lexington this year as a Kentucky grad, because I, 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 thought Kentucky might be where Tennessee
0: is, to be quite frank. And it's not even close. No, no I that, mean, you're talking about Saturday game could. It. Yeah, you're talking about game could have gone this way or that way. Had this go, I mean, you could have spotted Kentucky twenty points in this game, and they would have no chance at winning it. There, I mean, these teams were on such different levels on Saturday that th- th- no chance.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, now I'm not very confident in this week's game at Missouri, and I'm less confident yeah. in, in in Louisville at the end of the year. I mean, they still got Vandy, so they're going to get that sixth win. And, and listen, going to a bowl, I shouldn't sneeze at it because a large, large part of my life, Kentucky didn't go to bowls. But, but they,
0: John Calipari but, doesn't.
1: But, but exactly. But I, I think and listen, this is what happens. Expectations shift and suddenly you've got expectations that you can't meet. Well, that's on you.
0: Yeah, it's a good thing to have those expectations, but you're right. You can't look at this year as anything but a bit of a disappointment from a UK perspective. They were just supposed to be more than this. And uh, right now, they're they're looking like a team that really isn't competitive with any of the top tier SEC programs. And now you're starting to wonder, can they squeak out a win against Missouri? Right. Not a spot you want to be in. Exactly. All right. Anything else from college football or you want to move on here to college basketball before we get to college betting? basketball?
1: Yeah. Good college all
0: basketball. right. Well, this is like our college basketball preview at this point. It gets real on Monday. They're playing games that actually matter on Monday. But we have some uh, some scrimmage and exhibition stuff to sort through with all the local teams here first. And then we're going to do a quick little buy or sell segment where I'll give you kind of a statement about a team. And we can talk about whether you're going to buy or sell that No so.
1: more secret scrimmage.
0: No more. They're all, they're all over at this point. Uh, speaking of that, Cincinnati reportedly lost to Purdue in a secret scrimmage by 13, 77 on Saturday. A report from the Lafayette Journal and Carrier said that Cincinnati struggled to rebound and defend without fouling. How can they can, report this if it was secret? Well, that's the thing, Skinny. It's uh, The guy's taking his life in his own hands, to even being willing to do this. It's a bra- very brave move by a, a true journalist. But I'd say... From my perspective right now, Skinny, the concerns I would have is that you're not hearing much about Landers Nolly taking over on offense coming out of the UC camp yet, at least from these two secret scrimmages. You're not hearing much about either of the point guards taking control of that position with Mike Adams Woods or Rob Finnessy Although they did point out in this uh, Journal and Carrier article that Rob Finney played 27 minutes and had one point. So Ooh. it sounds like he, he kind of took over the position in terms of minutes but he didn't do much with it. And you're also not hearing much about any of the options in the front court developing into the clear cut number one option. That's a problem. And those were kind of the, the things that I was looking to coming into this year of like, well, you know, you need, you need Landers and Ollie to clearly be your best guy on offense to, to take this firepower up a level. You need better point guard play. And hopefully you have that with the transfer Rob Finney. And then you need to figure out what you're going to do in the front court, because rebounding, defense on that end and just having a presence inside was an issue last year. And I don't know how much closer they are to fixing any of those things.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'll be honest with you, Rick. You know, they're going to probably sail through the first three games, Chaminade, Cleveland State Eastern. But honestly, that game at Northern becomes more interesting, perhaps.
0: Man, I I, I really wish that was just the first game of the year, <laughs> if we're being honest. <laughs> I just don't even have him any, any time to figure it out. Just let's, no, let's right, do it yeah, right exa- now.
1: Right. Exactly. Exactly.
0: Uh, But, you know, and speaking of we'll we can talk about them next, because NKU beat Transylvania 78-55 in an exhibition Tuesday night in Lexington. Uh, They didn't look great, to be honest, although Marquez Warwick did. He was back in his hometown. He led all scores with 19 points to go with seven assists. was shooting the lights out. Sam Vincent added 17 points, five steals. NKU shot over 52% in this one. They were 10 of 27 from three-point range for 37%. Uh, A a good tune-up before the end of the the preseason here, but overall it was kind of uh a somewhat sluggish performance I would say by nKU they they were not as sharp as they were against tiffin
1: yeah and I always have a hard time with scrimmages right or exhibitions i I just do i mean again i is a, what's a coach trying to get out of it right i i know I know what you're saying but it's, it's sometimes to me i mean is 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 Louisville as bad as losing to lenore Ryan? maybe they are uh,
0: I think they might be maybe maybe <laughs> I think they, they might be.
1: Yeah, maybe. I mean, is Kentucky as, as bad as, you know, you know, not they didn't squeak by, but it wasn't a thing of beauty against whatever that was, Western, yeah. Southeastern, Missouri State Technical College for men or whatever the hell it was yeah. called?
0: Yeah, nailed it. Yes, that's exactly what it
1: Thank you. I mean, and they didn't have Oscar Shibway, so let's be, be, be honest there of the difference that he could make, especially in a game like that. But yeah, that's where sometimes I I think I get more out of watching a team in real games in November than I push any kind of button either way from exhibitions.
0: Yeah, we talked about this yesterday on Mo's show when I was with Chad and, and him previewing the season that I look at it from the perspective of it's just a preseason exhibition that is completely meaningless. And it's, and that's what it is. But at the same time, there is a certain element. Like if you're a juggernaut or if you're a really good team, then you're not going to lose the Vanderbilt by 20.
1: Well, that's fair. Like
0: Xavier did in a secret scrimmage at NKU on Sunday. Well, I and
1: know they lost by 20. Damn it.
0: And if you're a, a a great team like like you see, you're not going to lose to Ohio a couple of weeks ago in a secret trip. So how do
1: we know they lost to Ohio? Dead gummit. <laughs> that's
0: secret. Secret scrimmage. But I, I I mean I think it's not it's not something to overreact to, but it does tell you something. I mean it it tells you that you're not where you want to be right now. I that, think that, if nothing that, else, I think
1: that that's the point. I think that's a that 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 nailed the
0: point right there. Uh, exactly. Which, and that's I mean, none of these and teams we, are expected see, to be a finished product, but.
1: Right. And we see that throughout November and December, right? Where we get way over our skis either way on, boy, that's a great team or that team sucks. And I mean, that's the great thing about college basketball more than anything or basketball, maybe in general, is you just, you evolve either. Well, I think you either evolve or devolve. I mean, you're just never the same team. So um, I think that's kind of the beauty of it.
0: Yeah. I mean, we talked about UC, they, they lost both their secret scrimmages. Xavier Lost to Vanderbilt by 20 in a secret scrimmage on Sunday. Then they turned around, beat Kentucky Wesley in 80-62 to in an exhibition on Wednesday night. But, Skinny, it was just a three-point game with four minutes to play. They gave up 44 points in the first half to the division two opponent.
1: Yeah, 45-44 at the half. Um, You you and I were talking beforehand because you were there, and and we've talked about this just between ourselves a little bit, too. I mean, there is no question this team is going to have a hard time guarding.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, if you look at what the projected starting lineup would be, I assume, is Sule Boom, the transfer from UTEP, who's not a good defender. Adam Kunkel, who I think is in the right places typically and not hurting you from a system perspective, but one-on-one. He's not an
1: elite defender.
0: Yeah, he's undersized and not a great athlete. And then Zach Fremantle is a sieve at the forward position for the most part. That's three out of your five starters, potentially. Not very good defenders. Colby Jones is great. Jack Nungey, good length, good inside rebounder, a little slow footed. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, you look at it, Jerome Hunter, Desmond Claude, in theory, should be better defenders off the bench. But Desmond Claude is a freshman. He's going to be making some mistakes. And Jerome Hunter had 5,013 minutes in the exhibition on Wednesday night. So I I don't know how much you can trust him just yet.
1: I, I know Sean Miller wants to play man. Did they play man for all 40 minutes?
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Do
1: you anticipate him being that stubborn if things don't go well on the defensive end?
0: He has always been a big "do what we do" guy, I, and, and
1: I and I, I applaud that. Except when you don't have the parts to do what you want to do.
0: Yeah, I I would say I they have they have installed counter punches. Well, I'll just I'll just leave it there. Okay. I don't All feel right. like I can probably get into too no, much without fair. no.
1: You're, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I but know.
0: but uh, I I do think that they have prepared for it not going well. So we will okay, see how, okay. how quickly they are to, to switch it and adjust. Because but,
1: listen, and listen, in, in defense of Sean Miller here, um, for what he wants to do, like play man all the time and, and, and be tough, aggressive defender, all those things. He inherited some of these guys too. He didn't, you know, these are not all his guys. So it's sometimes when you have this situation, you kind of do have to have a counter punch to it.
0: Correct. Yeah. And before you get the guys in to play the way you want to play. Right. You- Yeah. And I mean, look, the pack line man to man is designed to hide defenders who aren't as gifted. So, I mean, it's not like this is a terrible system for them to be in with the guys they have. It's just it's it's going to be tough to defend, period, with this group, I think, for the most part, regardless of what system you're running. So, all right, let's uh, get into this little buy or sell segment here. I'll just bring up a a preseason storyline or take that I kind of have about a team. And you tell me whether you're buying or selling it. All right, we'll start with Cincinnati. This is something I, I asked Mo and Chad about yesterday. You look at where West Miller was last year, which was obviously a disappointing season, but not entirely unexpected considering the, the project that he took over. And then this year, we've talked about how the preseason has gone. And I think people are starting to come to the realization that, hey, it might still be a, a bit of a process here for him to get this rebuild going. I don't know that. They're uh, I I think they're certainly not a clear cut tournament team this year. They're they're probably on the bubble, and there's a chance that they might miss the tournament again for for another year. Well, if that happens, all of a sudden you go into year three of West Miller, and it's the first year in the Big Twelve, and mm-hmm. what's going to be a really difficult Big Twelve. Is West Miller in a tough spot career wise, Skinny? If you go two years not making the tournament, in addition to the years you see had already been missing the tournament prior to his arrival. And then you go a third year into the Big 12 where you missed the tournament, and things could potentially be ugly. Let's say you end up towards the bottom of the conference. where Where is this UC fan base at on Wes Miller at that point?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think at that point, you probably give him your four out of fairness, but you know a lot of times you don't get that out of fairness. Um, if you're at that point, I, I do think you give him that fourth year, but that fourth year has to be a tournament year.
0: Oh, I think there's no question. You have to give him four years, and especially with the way he's recruited, trying to mo- make that transition into the Big 12. It seems like he is adding higher-level talent. So I think and, and that's part honest- of the, w- what he needs to do to sell, hey, this thing is moving in the right direction.
1: Right. right. And, so and I think honestly, he get four years. Yeah, honestly, finishing third in the AAC this year, as they're predicted, probably doesn't get you to the tournament.
0: No, that's my point. I mean, I it's like you, you probably have to be a top two team in theory to make to feel good about going to the tournament this year in the AAC. And uh I think it's a, a very legitimate possibility that UC is struggling to to stay in the top two of the conference this year. So I mean they're not gonna they're not gonna be better than Houston. And then no, I think correct. there's a group of probably two to four teams that could probably be jumbled in any order after that.
1: So so what am I buying or selling here? is my question
0: to you. I think it is Wes Miller in a tough spot Buy or sell that is he is is Wes Miller going to be fine or are we going to look back here two years from now and be like, oh man, this could be the end for this guy.
1: I'm buying that he's in a tough spot, but I also believe he's a good coach and I think he'll make it work.
0: Okay. Let's move on to Xavier. National pundits are putting too much stock into Sean Miller's return. In my opinion, skinny, I've seen, Predictions all over the place, but a lot of people have Xavier in the top two or three of the Big East. I saw Matt Norlander from CBS had Xavier winning the Big East in his prediction last week.
1: I saw CBSSports.com went, what was the best team in each state? And Xavier was, was selected as the best team in Ohio.
0: Yeah, had them top 15. I think Sean Miller is an upgrade. I think Xavier could potentially have the best coach in the Big East now. I also think you need more than just Sean Miller to take this team to the next level.
1: Yeah, we just talked about the defensive flaws, and it's guys he inherited. So I'm kind of with you, but I also think there is enough talent for this to be a tournament team, for this to be a team that finishes in the top two or three. I don't know if I can go all the way to them winning the Big East, but I do think it's good enough to do those things. And I think Sean Miller nudges that over the top a little bit.
0: Well, and if we're if we're just talking about the standard for Xavier is just squeak into the tournament, they were one win in the regular season away from doing that last year, potentially yeah, I, I, yeah, two at the but, most. But but
1: that's not been the standard of late. So, I mean, getting back there, I think it's a great step.
0: Well, right. But I'm saying if you're returning most of the guys from last year and you were good enough to make the tournament last year, you just had an epic collapse down the stretch again that kept you from from getting in. I think this team should make the tournament this year but I don't think that would you know if they're just on the right side of the bubble barely getting in I don't know that that's a huge improvement from where they were at last year and I think a lot a of seven people seed? would probably see that as a disappointment a six or seven seed a six or seven seed would be good I don't think that's what we're talking about though right now I think they're they'd be more to like right on that bubble than 9 10 11 seeds.
1: Well, I'm buying Sean Miller as an upgrade if that's the if that's the question. On the Sean Miller
0: point. is clearly an upgrade. I just think national pundits are putting too much stock into the difference he'll make in year one for Xavier.
1: That's that's probably fair, but for whatever reason, I mean, the, the rosters under Travis Steele always looked pretty good until they didn't and collapsed. And I don't, I don't, I just think it's a it's an upgrade enough to make this a very solid tournament team, not one that squeaks in.
0: All right, NKU. I would say that this is the best chance the current coaching staff has had to win the league. And let me kind of give you the counterpoint. They came in with Jalen Tate, Dantes Walton, Tyler Sharp. They took over a team that had a lot of talent that first season, and they they found a way to win it that year, too. But I would argue that this is the best chance that they've had to win the league, even though they've already done it.
1: I'm buying that because you got three great guard wing guys. Three great guard wing guys.
0: And the biggest difference for me is these are their guys. They know yes. the system. They're yes. not they're all pushing in the same direction. They're not having to try to change what these guys are used to and what they believed in for the first three years of their career. That first year was tough and it was a struggle all the way until you got into the end of February and into March when they made that run and then won it. But up until that point. A lot of it was due to injuries. Jalen Tate was out for most of the year, and then Dantes was out, and Tyler was out at different times. So they took turns losing their top guys that year. But those were really just some dudes becoming dudes at the right time because they had been there before and they knew how to do it, and they took over when, when the lights were on in the Horizon League tournament. This year, I think this group has a much better chance to be cohesive to, to believe in the system, trust the coaching staff, all that type of stuff early early on, and they could have a, a pretty special year.
1: No, I, I, you got the three guys, the three wing guys to me can, can can play above the Horizon League. In fact, they may be the three best guys on the floor when they play Kent State.
0: Oh, and Kent State's good. But good. That's, that's an interesting. I, I like him. I like him too. Yeah, I, I need to research yeah, maybe, that a little farther, yeah, but that's yeah, maybe, an interesting maybe, point. Maybe.
1: Yeah, maybe sincere carries a little better. I I'll, I'll backtrack.
0: He would more. probably be yeah, the top I'm player. Yeah, too. I'll, on I'll it, backtrack
1: indeed. on that a little bit, but still, I you got three legit guys who are going to compete against MAC teams and in, in, in level teams when you play some of these non-league games and inside the league have a chance to dominate.
0: All right, this last one for Kentucky. I'm I'm kind of stealing from Mo Egger because he asked this to Chad and I before we signed off yesterday the last team to bring back the national player of the year from the season before won the national title the following season. That was North Carolina in 2008 with Tyler Hansborough.
1: Interesting. I did not know that's a great stat.
0: Are you buying or selling Kentucky's futures odds to win a title at 10 to one?
1: I'd buy the 10 to one. I, I, I I think this team, they did not play great in the exhibition game. Severe Wheeler got hurt. She didn't play. They didn't shoot it well, which was scary. But one guy who did shoot it well was C.J. Frederick, who we didn't see last year. And I think it just gives them a, a, a big-time knockdown shooter with Shibway around. I'm not just talking about a, hey, this guy might go two of seven in a game or so, or get hot. for. No, I think he is a consistent knockdown shooter that's going to pay big-time dividends for them on the offensive end to go along with the young talent um, and to go along with Shibway. So, yeah, I, at 10-1 to 1 especially... If you were going to give me five to one, I'd say, nah, probably not. But at 10 to one,
0: I'll buy. The thing about CJ Frederick, too, is he's not just a stiff standstill shooter. He can play. He has good feel. He's yeah. a solid defender. Uh, I I think I like he him. is going to be really important to their success this year. But he's got to stay healthy, too. He that's hasn't the been part. healthy since he has That's correct.
1: That, that's the part, too. But I think the other part, too, is I think you have enough guys at that wing spot that you don't need to play. And, and this is sometimes on Cal because Cal likes to go with a short rotation, right? Maybe you play him 25 minutes and you don't push the 32 minute level.
0: Yeah. I'm not sure exactly what his role is, is penciled in for right now in Cal's mind, but after seeing them in that exhibition, I have a feeling they're going to need him to be on the floor a lot for spacing reasons to get the offense going. And look, the offense was terrible in this, in this exhibition against uh Division two, Missouri, Western state
1: college for men.
0: Yeah. in barber, barber school. 56, 38 was the final. I can't remember what it was at halftime, but Kentucky had no it was, points. It was, it was ugly. And then Cal kind of made some ominous comments. If you're a UK fan this week afterwards, he, he put out a little video. And he said, we've got the player of the year and another first team, all conference player. We've got good young guys, but let me explain to you. And, you know, I'm honest about stuff. We're not where we need to be right now. And I'm looking at November, December saying we could be a little shaky. That's not typical cow. I mean, he'll, you know, he'll say that oh, we're not where we want to be and we need to get better and stuff like that. But for him to just put out this random video a week before the season starts, kind of preparing the UK fan base that, hey, might might lose some of these early games, non-conference matchups that are that are difficult, seems like eh, not a great sign if you're a Kentucky fan in terms of about
1: well his guy no, I, I I agree with that, but honestly, I mean, he knows he doesn't have much cachet at the moment and any early season loss is going to be magnified by the fan base. so I think that's what that is um and listen, they do I mean it's so funny their schedule is so weird just because they have so many cupcakes. But then you've got Atkins or you got Gonzaga, you got Michigan, you got UCLA all before the middle part of December's even over. So there's like ultra tough and ultra easy. And that's where it's going to be hard to read this team, probably unless they beat the ultra toughs and go, oh, yeah, they are elite.
0: Yeah, I mean, you could lose the Michigan State, Gonzaga, Michigan, UCLA. Yeah, I'm not. And- I'm
1: not yeah, the Michigan State doesn't scare. They're, they're not the Michigan State we all remember.
0: No, they're not. But this Kentucky team, the way they just looked the other night in Game Three, after playing Howard and Duquesne to warm up, you're you right. couldn't see them potentially losing to Michigan State early on a neutral floor. I mean, I, I think that would be disappointing. I, I definitely I think that, would. I
1: think that would take take the team that you thought is ranked number four and has that chance to be a national championship contender and punches you in the face if you're the fan base. And I think that's what he's scared of is any kind of slip.
0: Exact, he, is,
1: he knows exactly what the fan base is going to react.
0: And that's exactly how I took this was. Get ready for us to drop that early one to Michigan State. And I know the type of reaction I'm about to get if it happens. Uh, so yeah, exactly. I we'll, we'll see. I mean, look, it, Oscar Shibway being out of the lineup for this Kentucky team changes everything oh, because sure. it eliminates all those easy baskets you can get on the offensive end. So Plus all the
1: extra possessions you get from him offensive rebounding.
0: Right. And that's a, that's a big part of them finding ways to avoid those moments where they get bogged down and find themselves in a rut and just can't seem to get anything going. He changes a lot of that. So you can't take too much from that exhibition game when he's out. But, I mean, there is reason to be concerned because, let's face it, the the recent track record for these cow Cal teams coming together on the offensive end are not great.
1: No, but but again, he knows he doesn't have much cachet at the moment. He knows it.
0: All right, Skinny, let's get into our betting segment. Terrible week last week. I don't, with us.
1: I'm sorry, people. I apologize. It was horrifying. I was all in on the South Carolina game, and they laid a turd. And these picks, I don't even, I, 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 one in seven, does that sound right?
0: You ended up one in seven. I was three I and Ohio five. Yep, that's right. You uh, you are 31, 32, and one now after that bad week. I am 34, 29, and one. This week will start Saturday at noon. We've got Ohio State at Northwestern. Ohio State is a thirty-eight point favorite. The total is fifty-seven and a half. And I have to say, I'm I'm not sure. Before I even give you any picks, I'm not sure that I'm even in this week when it com- comes to betting on college football. I might have to put myself on a, a self-imposed ban. <laughs> the last three uh, weeks have been terrible.
1: Yeah. This just feels like the Iowa game all over again where they're they're going to get their points no matter what, A, and then B they're going to get extra possessions offensively because Northwestern's so bad on on defense. I'll go Ohio State 52 to nothing.
0: Oh, okay, well that's interesting because that's uh that means it's the under then. Yep. So yep. you're going OSU and the under. See, I'm, I I like this number at 57 and a half for an over because I look at Either Ohio State just almost gets it themselves.
1: So I'll tease it down to 51 and a half. How about that? And then I get the over there too. I, I'll I have it both ways.
0: Well, that's a six and a half uh tease down that you got to get there. Yeah, I, I'm noting yeah. All right. Well, uh I look at it as either Ohio State almost gets it themselves, which is what I'll say. 52 to 7 would be my score. So Ohio State in the over there. Or the other option is Ohio State struggles a little bit early and, and lets Northwestern score a second time. And then it's, you know. 45 to 14 or something, and it still hits. So I, I just – when the, those those overs under 60 for Ohio State against these bad teams, it's impossible for me not to say over. Saturday noon, we've got Kentucky at Missouri. This game is now a pick 'em Skinny. 40-and-a-half is the total.
1: Oh, my My heart still has to take Kentucky. The Missouri win at South Carolina scares me, scares me a little bit. I think this has a chance to be ugly, but I'll, I'll go – I'll give Kentucky one more swing at it. I'll go Kentucky 20, Missouri 17, so Kentucky in the under.
0: Yeah, I'm actually on the same thing. I mean, if you look at any of the projection models, I, Bill Connolly is one of the big ones for ESPN that a lot of people know of, but uh, there are several other types of prediction models that that give you some type of score outcome, and most of them like Kentucky by more like four or five. Points. Yeah, I would
1: I would too except for the way they're playing and the fact that Missouri just went on the road and won and played well defensively.
0: Well, and that's exactly why the lines where it is at, yeah. at a, a pickem because Kentucky is has been so shaky recently and Missouri's picked it up. One thing to keep an eye on here is both of these teams are 1 and 7 to the under. So this feels like uh I, I know that total is low, but this feels like an under that you have to play. I'm going 20 to 14 Kentucky on the under for me. So I'm, I'm pr- pretty similar to you there on the score. Saturday four o'clock we've got navy at cincinnati the bearcats are a 19 and a half point favorite the total is 46 and a half and this is another one where the predictive models i've seen have this more like a a 25 to 27 point spread but again skinny you see with the way they've been playing recently it, it tough to take them at at this big of a number
1: yeah i gotta this has to be a get right game it has to be um I, I think they do I'll, I'll go UC 41 13
0: so that is UC and the over their way over UC has hit four straight unders Navy four straight overs so you got a little bit of a collision course there I just feel like UC's offense is is not right and I think they win this game but I I can't have them covering by almost three touchdowns here. I'm going to go UC 27, Navy 17. UC's offense has a bit of a letdown, so it's Navy and the under here is the play for me. And then finally, Sunday at 1 p.m., we've got Panthers in Cincinnati playing the Bengals. Bengals are a a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. The total is 42-and-a-half.
1: I don't like the hook, but I also don't like Carolina's offense. Yeah, DJ Moore's a nice receiver, but that's one guy. I think you can probably roll towards him and be fine. Deontay Foreman ran the ball great, but Atlanta's defense is trash. We saw that when the Bengals played them. They're just not very good, and Carolina took advantage of all the injuries they've got to it. They hung in there for a while, Atlanta's defense did, and they got torched when it mattered most, um, only to find a way to win. Um yeah, I think this I think this is a, a not a comfortable. There's never comfortable wins in the NFL, but I I I think the Bengals win this comfortably enough. I'll go Bengals 27-13.
0: 27-13. So that's Bengals and the under there at 40, right? Yes. Yep. Yep. Bengals and under. Um the Panthers have covered the last two weeks. They beat Tampa Bay 21 to 3. And then they played Atlanta close. They lost 37 to 34 in that one. Well, they should
1: have won. If the guy makes an extra point, even though it was a 52-yard extra point, and then makes a what should be a chip shot field goal, Carolina should have won the game.
0: Yeah. I think the Bengals win this game, but that that hook is just too much for me at seven and a half. I'm going to say they win by a touchdown. 24 17. So Panthers and the under is the play for me. Uh skinny Bengals team over in this one is 24 and a half. Do you think they get there?
1: I do. Although this is a good Carolina defense,
0: but I I I do. All right. What's your best bet of the week?
1: You know that's a good one for me. I I I think I'm going to go to that Tennessee Georgia game. Believe it or not, and take Tennessee in the eight and a half. At least that's what I'm looking at it at. What do you see it at?
0: Uh, yeah, I think. Let me see what DraftKings has it at right now. Um, I think that was what I saw as well. I I like Tennessee. I like Tennessee to as a a money line underdog potentially at plus two forty. I'm seeing. I'm showing them at plus eight right now on draft. Uh, I'll take the, I
1: mean, okay, but still eight, I'll, I'll take the eight, but that's fine enough. Uh, yeah. That, I I just think they can score enough to stay in this game. If, if listen, I still I believe, I still believe Georgia is really good. I think Georgia wins the game. I will tell you that right point blank, but um, I, I, it feels like this has a chance to be something along the lines of 34, 31, something like that.
0: I'm with you. And I think Georgia wins the game too, but like you said, I think Tennessee has the offense and the firepower to stay in this one. And yep. There's the chance they could pull it out at plus 240. I don't I kind of like that as a money line underdog uh potential here, but uh I'm going to go to the NFL cuz quite frankly, I've just been absolutely terrible in college football all year. I've been seeing the NFL board pretty well. It's what's kept me afloat somehow from a bankroll perspective. I
1: have two actually. I I probably should go to the NFL as well. My last one I gave out was the Washington money line against Green Bay.
0: That was a great pick. I'm going to go all the predictive models hate this, by the way, but I'm going to go Ravens minus two and a half over the Saints on Monday night football.
1: Yeah, I don't like I, uh, I'm, I, I'm, I'm staying away from that.
0: I, ju- I just think the Saints stink.
1: I'm, I'm noting you, but man, road Monday night games. Uh, I'm not going to
0: I'm not touching it. I'm I'm just I'm going to trust my NFL. I've been seeing the NFL enough. board. Good. I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to go with the Ravens. All right. All right. Uh, we also have something you alluded to at the top of the show, which is a uh, a great prop bet right here. As you know, in January, Ohio will launch legalized betting, and who will be making the first bet at Hard Rock Casino in Cincinnati? None other than Pete Rose. So the question is, where will Charlie Hustle put his money in terms of his first wager? Will it be the Reds to win the World Series? And this, Which, this is from
1: bookmakers.com. They've, they've actually set the odds on this, believe it or not. They have actually yeah. set the odds on this.
0: Bookies.com is what Bookies.com I'm showing on the website. Yeah. Yeah. Bookies.com, sorry. Uh, Reds win the World Series minus 120. Bengals to win Super Bowl 57 at plus 500. Ohio State wins the college football playoff at plus 1500. Reds and over these are not and By the way, these are, not,
1: these are not the odds for these things to happen. These are the odds that Pete is making the bet. Just Correct. So
0: yeah. Correct. Oh uh Reds over win total plus 1500. Bengals cover week 17 plus 2500. Reds win the NL plus 5000. Guardians win the AL plus 5000. Browns win Super Bowl 57 plus 5000. Joey Votto wins the NL MVP uh plus uh 10000 and Phillies win the World Series plus 10000 or the field is plus 900.
1: Yeah, I don't think he makes a bet on the Phillies, even though he played for them, not in Cincinnati. It's got to be Cincinnati or Ohio-centric. I'm going to guess if the Bengals are trending towards the playoffs at that point, it would be the Bengals to win the Super Bowl. If not, I would go, it's the Bengals to cover week 17. And if not, the third choice would be Ohio State to win the college football playoff at that point.
0: I do not understand unless people. I guess the idea here is that he's just going to do the PR play and put like a, a nothing bet down on the Reds to win the World Series just right, to, to right. say he did it. Cause it's like right. Pete Rose is a real gambler. There's yes, no way right. in hell he's wanting to play the Reds to win the World Series. Like that-, that, that's not something he would do. So, uh, I that being minus 120, I don't like at all. I, I have faith in, in Pete being a true degenerate here. And I, I think he too. goes with something that has a chance at winning.
1: Yeah, I do too. With yeah, I,
0: I I think the Bengals is the right answer. And plus 500 is pretty good odds to get the Bengals. Win the Super Bowl. But at that
1: point on January 1st, they only have two games left. The money nighter with Buffalo and the last game of so, the season. So the you'll know. So you'll know if they're at least trending towards the playoffs.
0: And same thing with Ohio State, too. Correct. Correct. So it makes it tough. Yeah, it makes it kind of tough to pick them. But plus 1500 for Ohio State is good odds. Yeah, agreed. You know, the other one is. What's the Reds' win total going to be looking like at that point? point. It's got to be a, tiny. That's
1: a, yeah, that's a good point too.
0: And plus plus fifteen hundred to, to for him to pick that, I I could see that he gets to stay with the Reds, and you don't have to pick up pick something completely stupid like them winning the World Series.
1: Yeah, no, right, yeah, right. I, I think it was, it, it's an interesting prop they've put together. It,
0: yeah, it's smart. It's definitely smart. Uh, there's going to be some action on that. Okay, let's get in some ask any anything. We'll start with a very simple sports question. <laughs> Does the NFL stink this year, Skinny?
1: It does. It, it does. It's, why is that? I, I, my theory is offensive linemen are just not being churned out from college to pro. They don't translate. And that's why you're seeing such bad offenses.
0: You know what? They're my theory up is
1: offensive linemen.
0: My theory, and this may go hand in hand with that, is where are the star quarterbacks? That's a fair point. I mean, now, now that we're seeing Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers kind of. Come to a, a, slow end here, and they're they're they don't look like the elite guys that they once were. Who's taking? out I mean, you have Burrow, you have Allen, you have Herbert, you still got Lamar. I mean, I don't. Is is Herbert Lamar in that class? Like there was a, there was a period there where we had, it felt like a stable of star quarterbacks. Yeah. That and were put, and by the way, guys.
1: put put Russell Wilson in that downgrade category too,
0: right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. but I'm go I'm going back. There was a period where like I'm, I'm, I'm talking Peyton Manning ish era. Yeah,
1: I'm going offensive line play.
0: I th- I think there could be truth to that as well. Um, But yeah, that would be my I mean, that would be my answer. There is just uh, you can look at the, the offensive play overall, whether it be okay. o- quarterbacks are the problem or offensive linemen. I, I think the issue is that they, they're we're just not getting as good of offensive play this year.
1: No, and, and, and honestly, the rules are skewed to the offense.
0: Yeah, and we're left with basically Pat Mahomes and Josh Allen as the only exactly. two right. true, true elite guys, and I would say you got Burrow kind of right behind them or maybe right with them, and, and then it goes to a guy like Herbert.
1: Yep.
0: Uh, what are the biggest surprising moments in Cincinnati sports history for good and bad? Can be an achievement or event like Scooter Jeanette hitting four home runs in a game, Xavier beating undefeated St. Joe's by a million, Bengals blowing the Super Bowl, or more general trends like UC football making the playoff slash Griffey injuries,
1: man, I'm going to have to chew on that one for a while. That, that's, that's a great that's question. Hold on. Save, save that one for next week. If you don't mind, i we'll come I'll back chew, to I'll it. Chew on the, yeah. That's a great one actually.
0: All right. Yeah. I mean, that's one that takes a little bit of thought. Yep. Tough off the top of the head. All right. Skinny rank your top five favorite months, which um, I don't, I don't have any interest in listening to five of them, but can you tell us your favorite months?
1: Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll go. Um, I'll go June number 1, I'll go September number 2, July number 3, August number 4, October number 5.
0: So is that sports related, weather related, all of both. the above, both? June so you- for the
1: weather obviously. June 2 for me personally is kind of the my my down month from a work perspective. That's kind of the
0: so enjoy um, the sun a little bit. Yep,
1: that's when they're kind of done with their mini camps, training about a month away, and you just kind of, you know, just decompress for a little bit.
0: Yeah, I, I, I love the fall. I mean, th- this time of year right now is the best. It is. I'm, I'm with you. Best from a sports perspective, best from a weather perspective. Yeah. Plus, November, it,
1: it, October was in my top five. November starts to turn ugly, though, at times. That's why I didn't didn't do it.
0: Oh, I mean I kind of like November too. I mean mainly because you're getting into basketball season. Oh, I know, yeah, correct. When basketball correct. season starts, and then you got Thanksgiving, and I don't know. Uh, how does Skinny feel about local political advertisements, including people who shove your mailbox full of flyers?
1: Yeah, I don't. I I I, I don't like them. I I do like them from a the perspective of our business makes a lot of money off of those. But my lord, I used to love my favorite thing, uh, and this is this this will date me, but. You, you probably at least have heard of the guy, Rick, Gary Burbank, who did afternoon radio on WLW for a long time. My favorite time of the year was the day after elections when he would take all the political ads that they would run and he would blow them up on the air. It was great.
0: Skinny, Bills versus Eagles, or are you predicting a different Super Bowl?
1: Um, No, that feels about right. I, I think I picked the Bills in my preseason uh prediction to win it all i think i had him over the rams like an idiot i thought the rams had just enough to get back again they don't they may, they're they not going to make the playoffs either philly looks really really good i don't even see a close second right now in the nfc maybe dallas um maybe minnesota but honestly it feels like there's a big cavern between them and the rest
0: it does i agree with that um all right this is i, I don't know if okay the this is from our guide dan so it takes some some uh, reading to it's understand exactly what's going on yes. here. But if skinny was at at an establishment on Vine Street in 1880 that offered a free wiener worst with every drink, how many beers slash worst could he put down in a sitting? So I don't know I, what this was is Dan had uh, commented on a picture that someone else tweeted out, I guess, of downtown Cincinnati, Vine Street back it's in that era, 1880. And all these signs outside the bars Set, so like every single bar had a sign that said free Wienerwurst. So, so I, I guess probably, that was the deal. It may, that was like giving you popcorn. So you drink more, I guess.
1: Yeah, I guess so. So I, I think the ratio would probably be three beers to every Wienerwurst, maybe even four beers to every Wienerwurst. So I'll go. I'll go. I could probably down 12 to 16 and I'll have probably four worst along the way. I don't know the size of a wiener. Worse, are they bigger than hot dogs? I would just—I just, I, I
0: assume that's just a hot dog. I—I I think uh, that was just old way to say it.
1: Yeah, I'll—I'll I'll go twelve, twelve. Back then, I could hop on this on the trolley too. I didn't have to worry about driving home, um, so because uh, there was no cars. So that part, that yeah, I mean, I honestly, the beer consumption might be ad infinitum because I don't have to worry about driving.
0: What if you had to eat a hot dog for every beer you drank? How yeah, many would, could you do then?
1: I would say six and six at max because you just get so filled up.
0: Yeah, I mean it definitely depends on how long you're doing it over the course of a day. But but yeah, I mean after I mean you talk about six draft beers to go along with hot dogs and buns yeah. inside of you. Yeah. Oh.
1: You'd be bloated beyond bloated.
0: Yeah. That that's gonna hurt coming out. Uh, okay, I like this question. Well, before we get to that actually, I have an update from last week. Okay. The guy who DM'd us about whether you went after the sexy or scary costumes. You remember that yes. question? Yes, I do. Well, do you remember that we we asked him to follow up because he had mentioned like um, hot nurse, hot librarian, I think it was. And little Bo, little Bo, Bo, Peep. Bo Peep. Little Bo Peep. <laughs> little Bo Peep yes. Yeah. So we asked him, what, what was the deal? There's actually a story behind that. We were right. So uh, he says, long story short. My ex-girlfriend in college dressed up as sexy little Bo Peep for Halloween one year. It was about a month or two after we had broken up. I'm married now, and I still haven't gotten over it. Wow. (laughs) I I mean, clearly, if you you are sending that into our show in 2022 as a married man, clearly you have not gotten over it. That must have been one hell of a little Bo Peep costume. Love the honesty, my man. (laughs) That's great. All right. uh, Here's our final question. Did Skinny ever call into a phone sex line back in the day?
1: Nope. I, I never. I never did that. I will. I will tell you. I'm pretty honest on this. This podcast. But
0: I don't. I. I took this not to be like you were like some desperate loser who was calling 900 numbers looking for love, but more like maybe you and your boys when you were teenagers might have called a 900 number as a prank or something.
1: Be quite frank. Back in those days, I don't think we had 900 numbers. What? I will tell you, though, we did try this back in the day. No, I'm serious. Back, I don't remember 900 numbers back then. I really don't. But I will say this. So when cable first came along in, in 1982, I believe, <clears throat> there was a there was a paid channel on, on there called On TV. You could pay for movies. They actually had some Reds games on there at one point. But after midnight, they would have porn on there.
0: Yeah, nice. but We
1: didn't buy it, but you could watch it scrambled. So we would watch scrambled <laughs> porn.
0: Yeah, the, uh, that's had, pretty degenerate. That's pretty degenerate. I'm not going to lie to you. Oh, that was a big thing back in, in the the grade school days. There, I had a buddy that had what was this? Like like some type of box you could get or yes. something where you got yes. kind yes. of the pay per views and stuff like that. Yes. yes, he had that deal. So, I mean, it was always the 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 gig was to ride the bus over to his house after school. His parents worked, so they wouldn't be home until like his mom maybe got home at four thirty. We'd get home at. 3 o'clock, something like that. So you'd have, which looking back is kind of a weird thing to do, two hours or an hour and a half of coming in and just watching this porn. And it's how I mean, just you and your buddy sitting around on the couch watching porn, hanging out exactly. until his mom gets home at four thirty, and then you immediately scramble to switch. You, you hear her coming in or whatever, so you immediately switch the channel, and she walks in, and you're watching Barney or exactly. Power no, Rangers maybe. or something going. Uh, guys, really? Are you serious? You think I'm buying I, that? Hi, Mrs. Cleaver. Yeah, exactly. She's like, oh, you guys are into Barney today, huh? Okay, good.
1: Well, I, let me give you one quick When I tried to pull over my father along those lines, not not porn related. So one night, um, I think I was a senior in high school. Maybe for now, I was a senior in high school. Um, and I bowled back then. So I told my dad uh, we were going to go out bowling. He said, okay, fine. So we took my bowling bag, took the bowling ball out we went and had somebody buy beers for us, put the beers in the bowling bag, and then went back downstairs to play cards. So we come back home, you know, an hour and a half later. said, how'd it go? I said, uh, I said, went great. Yeah, had a good time, blah, blah, blah. He goes, uh, stop. We were getting ready to go downstairs. I took one step. He goes, let me see the bowling bag. And he said, you didn't think I could hear the rattling of beer bottles in there, you idiot. (laughs) (laughs) Couldn't pull it over on the old man.
0: I had a uh, a friend who I guess they had redone the basement and they had one of those drop ceilings. You know it was like yep, the foam yep, pieces yep, of tiles you can move. Yep. So they would him and his brothers would always push up one of the tiles and like tuck their their magazines, their photos or whatever yep. in there. And I don't know if they just uh went up, moved on to college and left it or forgot it but at some oh, wow. point for whatever reason something happened where Uh, They had duct issues or something. They had to get work done in that ceiling. And (laughs) pork contractor comes down to, to do his work, goes up to work on the ceiling, moves one of the tiles and just an avalanche of porn. And I mean, they had like drawings from their friends and stuff of naked. Just all types of disgusting, foul things fall on this man's head. As he's, yeah, uh, you know, I'm sure pages are sticking together and stuff. Yeah, and yes, exactly. Raining down on top of him.
1: That's fabulous. Yeah. F- fabulous. Great stuff. Appreciate the questions. I will chew on that one question, I promise, and we'll do that on next week's podcast. Please send other questions in as well for next week. We'll be back on Sunday into Monday morning with our uh, Bengals postgame recap podcast, so please join us for that. For Rick Roaring, I'm Richard Skinner. It's been the Skinny Podcast, the weekly Potpourri edition presented by Ryan Kiefer of First Community Mortgage.